Welcome back to the Aikman Bros Podcast. I'm James Aikman and my brother, Andrew Aikman. So today we're going to kind of get into a few questions uh, about ourselves. I don't know if you want to start with your favorite movie or if you want me to start. Well, I got, I have a few, so it's kind of based on genre. So probably like action, John Wick is really high up there. Really good movie. Um, from a sci-fi standpoint, a little bit of a classic now, but Aliens is almost the perfect, perfect type of movie. And then another action would be 300 would be another one pretty high up there. And one thing to understand about movies with Andy is he's very picky about his movies. So he has reviewers that he listens to. If they say the movie is not good, he won't go see it. Or that's, that's the whole reason. I'll still go see it. That's the whole reason why you time to research your viewers so save time if Andy likes a movie it must be really good in his mind uh, all the movies he listed off I've watched them loved them uh, probably my favorite movie would be Braveheart uh, so Aikman is Scottish and so I've always thought that was an awesome movie with Mel Gibson so Braveheart would probably be my number one uh, bucket list items of something on the list that we want to do. I don't. Do you have ego first? Any thoughts? Uh. So I don't. I don't really have a bucket list. Uh, in August of fourteen, I was going to be going to Africa, and one of the things that I was really considering doing uh, was going over to Cape Town and going in a cage, but going swimming with great white sharks. I don't want to get, I don't want to swim with sharks or anything like that, but I thought that'd be a, a very unique thing to do, kind of face my fear kind of thing. And so I always thought going cage, cage diving with sharks would be something that I would I would be open to. I feel like if you're going to Africa, you might, like the safari route would be more so. Yeah, well, that, okay. that's why I'd be going to Africa. But no, that's just I wanted to. Yeah. So, for the record, it would be a, a photo safari, just in case anybody's wondering. But uh, over there, you kind of get treated like kings, but do a little side trip while over there and go with the sharks. You touched on it with the movies, but it would be somewhat ideal. It won't ever happen because I hate flying, so it probably won't ever happen. But to go to the Scotland as well in terms of trying to maybe do a little more of a deeper dive into our family history and see if there's any any connections still over there uh, would be kind of neat to do and explore. It's the Aikman clan had a castle. It's probably called Rebel by now. But actually open, yeah. That's a whole other podcast. But yeah, bucket lists are tough when you don't like to leave the property. So I think he's probably flown like three times in his entire life. Yeah, like he's my bucket. Up. My bucket list would be more so to have our to do list here, not have anything on it. That would be like my dream. If he gets on a plane, he needs a paper bag to breathe into, kind of freaks out. 
I guess some of the other things would be like uh, some of the different museums across the United States, uh, more so that have pieces from a company called Blue Rhino that does some pretty incredible kind of dioramas and life-size type of sculptures of present and also prehistoric animals. So kind of making out a list of those type of things and doing a little bit of a road trip, I guess, would be pretty neat little trip to do. On top of that, it would be nice research for the museum. I just see how many they have compared to yeah. what we have to be another way to confirm that our museum has more pieces than any other place out there. Australia would be nice, but I feel like there's, there's too many lethal animals over there. It's not worth the trip. When would you time travel to? So I don't know, I'm kind of torn on this. I'd love to see dinosaurs, uh, prehistoric animals in real life, but I'd also love to be there and see just how the animals got loaded onto the ark. I know we have a hard enough time as it is getting animals in for deworming three times a year and to watch animals coming up to the ark would be Well, I would need a little clarification of this question. So like, is your machine able to then time travel back? So like if you went to a place that didn't have electricity, would you be able to come like, back from it? Like Daniel's house? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, he's wondering, is the Amish guy who's been with us from the beginning, uh, he's kind of become our adopted brother, but he's got a generator. I've seen too many memes where people time travel because they want to see dinosaurs, and then when they're ready to leave, they go to plug in the time machine. Obviously, there's nothing there to plug into, so I don't know if I would necessarily want to be stranded in the Jurassic or Cretaceous period. But obviously, if that's not if that's not the issue in terms of this time machine is a two way thing, then yeah, anything kind of prehistoric and that would be kind of where I would go. Basically. So kind of uh, in our last episode, we started doing this kind of animal of the week type of thing. And so this week we're touching on our wolf dogs. So I'm kind of going to let Andy take the ball on it. The wolf dogs are his babies. He's probably why we have 13 of them at the park. Uh, so I'll let him kind of talk about them a little bit. So kind of how we got into wolf dogs, the first two that we took on, it was set up to where it was a, a foster type of situation. So with pretty much all of our wolf dogs, the conversation starts out with um, they are in a position where if they don't find placement, they will more than likely get put down. Um, that's kind of the running theme when it comes to wolf dogs in general and kind of sanctuaries like us when we get the call. So this situation was a little unique. Um, family was kind of needing some time to reassess. They were in the process of moving from a state that was legal to have wolf dogs to a state that wasn't legal and they weren't sure if they were going to kind of keep that um, as a long-term type of thing so it was under the assumption we would bring on these two male these two wolf dogs male and female max and lucy uh, for x amount of months um, we thought it was a good way for us to kind of 
get a little familiar, a little more experience with wolf dogs, and at the same time kind of know that, you know, there is a finite end date to it. Um, kind of the issue that we ran into right off the bat was we kind of didn't ask the right questions, um, a little bit of a naiveness on our part. Uh, the female Lucy, when she arrived at the park, uh, we found out about a week later that she was already pregnant um, before she even got to the park. So, so either they didn't know or they didn't tell us that she had been in heat and was potentially pregnant. So that kind of, that was a little bit of a, we had to kind of think through that. Basically, we don't necessarily condone wolf dogs as pets just because there are so many that uh, for one reason or another, they get in the hands of animal control and they do get put down. Um, well, because it didn't be say at any time, there's probably 300 to 400,000 yeah, so dogs in the U.S. Wolf dogs along with the other, a lot of other kind of semi-exotic and more pet-like, um, they're very popular in the pet trade. So, uh, kind of statistic that has been thrown around for a few years now, uh, on average about 120,000 new wolf dogs are born in the United States. Uh, the bad side of that statistic, um, by the time the 120,000 turn the age of two, close to 80% of them have already been euthanized. And that is due, uh, for the most part, to the homeowners. Um, Wolf dogs are a little more smarter, a little more determined to get out of their enclosures. So usually if they kind of find a way to scale their backyard fence or dig underneath the fence, that's kind of when you start getting the issue of how they were actually socialized. So nine out of 10 times, it, not the greatest kind of uh, interaction if a neighbor has a dog and a wolf dog gets out. So that is kind of a common thing that animal control gets brought in or in extreme cases, if it is a higher content wolf dog, um, the actual neighbors themselves are potentially harmed or kind of endangered. So usually when something like that happens, it's pretty much an automatic put down. There's, there's kind of nothing that anything can be done about if they actually do harm another animal or a person. Well, on top of that, a lot of states, it's illegal for a hybrid or a wolf dog to go to the shelter. So if animal control can't find a home for them. Yeah, they, they, they legally can't try to adopt it out. Um, Illinois is one of those states. Yeah, so here in the state of Illinois, it is illegal to have wolf dogs. Uh, just like with anything else, though, people, they kind of do whatever they, they do, what they want to do. Um, and we've, we've kind of had the gamut of where some of the ones we've rescued, amazing homeowners, and just for one reason or another, they were needing to kind of... Uh, reevaluate or kind of see what was the best kind of long-term solution for their their dogs so that's kind of why they came to our park and then we've also had ones where like i said we've actually had contacts with animal control like out of ohio that kind of um if you get someone that is really dedicated really passionate about trying to find places to rehome wolf dogs once they get them in um, not the general public but more so sanctuaries then they do go out of their way to try to do the research, try to contact those places to try to place them before they ultimately have no choice but to put them down. So that is kind of the majority of where ours um, have come from um, is those types of situations. But like I said, going back to the initial two, so when we found out that she was pregnant, we kind of had to make a decision. What are we going to do with the litter when it comes? Are we going to kind of go against what we feel is the right thing to do and you know, uh, try to sell sell the the babies, or are we going to keep them? So we ultimately decided that whatever size the litter was going to be, we will keep them, and that is going to be the the first permanent wolf dogs that will stay here at the park. So 
Uh, about probably two months later, she gave birth to six females and two males. So we were right in the thick of things right from the get-go in terms of from going from zero wolf dogs to pretty much eight wolf dogs that um, so we were thinking could be here four for the rest probably. of our lives. Yep, eight came out. So they were born in uh, they were born in November. Kind of what we I had been able to make a pretty good relationship with Lucy, especially the female and Max to a certain extent. Max had a personality of being very uh, protective of Lucy, so that with any sort of wolf dog, regardless of if it's low content, mid content, high content, you always have to remember that it's not it's not just a, a normal a normal dog. So pack mentality is a big thing that comes into play. Territorial is another big thing. So Max was one of those that he would like to challenge at any time he would go into his enclosure. So um, just always something you have to be mindful of and make sure you kind of never do any quick movements with any sort of wolf dog. But also turning your back to a wolf dog is not a good idea. So just kind of more or less common um, common sense type of things goes a long ways when it comes to not only wolf dogs, but a lot of animals in general. So we ended up, um, we knew we wanted to do a lot of socialization with these eight that we were going to keep just again, kind of trying to make, make sure that they were going to be as socialized as possible um, when they got older. So we didn't have any sort of issues with them. Um, I will mention, so probably Max and Lucy, uh, they would be lower content wolf dogs. Uh, it's kind of one of those things. Some people say certain things, but until you actually have a DNA test, a blood test with these guys, you never quite know what the content is made of. So you kind of have to go by the characteristics that they have. So the eight that were born here, they were on the lower side when it comes to the content, uh, more dog in them than wolf. So that, that definitely helped um, instead of having eight high contents, having eight low contents. But again, you still have the pack mentality when it comes to any sort of uh, wolf dog. So something we always kind of have to keep in mind. But probably around three months of age, I think, uh, is when, or no, three weeks. three weeks, um, we started to have issues where Max would actually take the runt and take them out of the shelter that they were in and kind of just throw them out there. Um, with it being, at this point, now we're getting into December, it was getting to the point where we were getting very nervous that if he would do it, you know, kind of the last time that we'd check on him in the late evening, and not see until the next morning that that runt might uh, might not survive. So we decided we were going to pull the eight and go ahead and start the socialization kind of a little early. Normally, I think the, the initial goal, we were going to wait till about four to five weeks um, before we kind of took them in and started to do that socialization. So, so I think he even took out one or two at different times. Yeah, the, the one he really focused on was Echo, one of the males. Um, was the one that pretty much consistently every day throughout the day, he would kind of pull them out of the, the litter and just kind of toss them out outside and then go back in with the other one. So common thing that, you know, wolves do out in the wild in terms of, you know, more or less survival of the fittest, trying to make sure that the, uh, the pack itself survives um, type of mentality. So probably at that point, like I said, December, from December till about, I'd say middle of January, they were actually all eight of them were in my house. Um, would not would not recommend that to anyone. Uh, with eight of them, it doesn't matter. Like if we would check on them probably every few hours. Like they were at this point, they were eating probably 
four to five times a day. Um, milk is what they were eating. So feeding time was extremely messy. Took a lot to kind of clean up after feeding time. But in between that, from a mess standpoint, you know, if, uh, if one would go to the bathroom, more than likely that would trigger at least a couple more to go. And then with them just kind of running all over the place, you can kind of put two and two together in terms of there's a lot of baths that were going on kind of those early months just to kind of keep everyone as clean as possible. But at about the end of January, February, they, get, they were getting a little, little too big um, for my house. So we were able to, we had a pin that was opened up in one of the barns. So we kind of moved them into the barn for a very short while because it was uh, even more difficult to kind of keep the whole enclosure clean and stuff like that. So added a slight smell to the barn on top of what it normally smells like. Yes, so it just kind of worked out that around that time to where we were trying to figure out where they were going to go after the barn, the time with the mother and the father, Max and Lucy, was basically coming to an end. So the previous owners came back and got them, and it kind of was just perfect timing in our, uh, with us, we were able to then move the eight into where they were born, where their mom and dad used to be. So it was a... Uh, for the eight of them at the time with their size and stuff, it was more than adequate with space. And kind of, again, with our naiveness back then, we were kind of thinking it's going to be so cool if they grow up, we're going to have this giant super pack. Uh, we'll kind of build a permanent, big, large enclosure for all of them to kind of be in and have that available so the public can see them. The thing about wolf dogs is once they hit a certain point, usually right around the nine months to a year range, personalities start to change. So. For whatever reason, wolf dogs, females tend to not get along with one another um, and also males to a certain extent, but sisters especially, uh, they, they go through phases where they absolutely hate one another. So that is what ultimately just started us to have to separate the eight into smaller different packs. Um, and that's kind of what started the, how we got the five packs now. For most of all the packs that we have here, there's at least one or two, if not three, of those original eight um, kind of sprinkled in with the other ones that we've rescued over the years. And four out of the five. Yeah, so four out of the five of them actually have kind of those uh, females and, and males. What we kind of determined with that, we were kind of able to figure out that if you have a real strong alpha, so a real strong male, he can handle two females, kind of. That's, if you have to go more than just a pair, three is kind of the max that we, we go. Anything past that, especially if you have more than two females, females will gang up on other, another female, um, and it just does not, does not end well. So it's like high school drama at one point. Every other day he's coming and telling me, these two females were attacking this one next day, it'd be different ones. And so it was. Yeah, so the, the hierarchy of a, of a pack, um, even for wolf dogs, uh, wild wolves out of the wild, their packs can get up to 30 members, and each one of them have a specific role. Uh, but even wolf dogs, their pack mentality is uh, constantly changing. So that was one thing that, because we had that right from the get go, we were kind of thrown into the fire, but we were able to really navigate and kind of get a real clear image moving forward with any additional ones that we would save. What is kind of the setup that we want to do and what's the setup we don't want to do. So that was kind of the initial eight. Um, then we took uh, 
Shadow would have been one that was uh, previous owners did an awesome job socializing him, um, never had any issues with them, but they were in the process of also moving from the country to in town. Shadow is probably more of that 50-50 range, so he's a little higher content than the eight that were born here. He does like the how, so they they did the responsible thing before they even got to a situation where neighbors would potentially get kind of concerned and potentially call animal patrol. They kind of did their research and uh, were able to find us. So we were able, it just so happened at that time, we were looking for kind of a male. Um, we were transitioning some more of those females, kind of separating them. So we had one female in particular that just didn't seem to really like any of her siblings at all. Um, her name was Ryder, or her name is Ryder. She's uh, a little more laid back than her siblings, so she doesn't necessarily is as energetic as possible. So it was actually a perfect fit with Shadow being, at the time he came here, I think he would have would have been 11 or 12, probably. Yeah, it'd be 14. Yeah, it'd be 14 in October. So he was definitely an older, he was kind of past his, uh, his time of wanting to deal with drama when it comes to wolf dogs. So he kind of just wanted to find someone that he could kind of chill and relax with. So it was a perfect fit. Um, so they've kind of been together ever since and they will remain together um, until, you know, for the rest of both of their lives, more or less. So that was one that was uh, brought in. Another one was Zeus. So Zeus is our biggest one. Again, probably 50, 50 or a little higher range, but uh, probably around 140, 145 pounds. Um, when he stands on his back two legs, he is taller than me, so I'm about 6'2". So it just gives you a little bit of height. He wears his paws on my shoulders pretty easily. Yeah, so he was one, um, he was living in downtown Tuscola, so a town about 10 minutes uh, north of us. He was actually one that Animal Patrol did get picked up. Uh, one of our local vets actually contacted us. They knew, obviously, that we had wolf dogs. They had been contacted by Douglas County to set up a uh, euthanasia for a wolf dog for Zeus. And so we were able to get a little bit of heads up, reach out to Animal Patrol, and actually kind of intervene before that Kind of happened. So I think the vet called us on a Monday, and the the appointment was scheduled for Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the the theme with wolf dogs. You don't have very much time when you get an initial email um, to come in to decide if there's a way that you can actually help and bring it. But uh, that was one that we were fortunate enough. Again, we were kind of that transition phase where we had kind of some females that we were needing the counterpart with. So. Uh, Zeus was definitely one. He had some personality issues. I don't know in terms of his. We don't know really anything about backstories other than like Shadow, obviously. We have a good relationship with his previous owner, but a lot of the rescues we bring in, um, it's hit or miss if they have any sort of back history with them. And if it is, it's normally not the best. So Zeus has gotten better over the years, um, but he was another one, especially around feeding time, very aggressive and, uh, he kind of liked to challenge to a certain extent. So with Zeus, especially just with his size, it wouldn't take much for you to go in there and lose your balance. And it takes hardly anything for that prey instinct, prey drive to kick in when it comes to some of these guys. So again, another one that was some of the keepers that wouldn't see him on a regular basis, always a good idea to go in with the second person, just kind of eyes your back of your head. So he would have been one that was brought in. Uh, we were able to rescue two out of Alpha. Alpha Nova, Alpha up on the screen. Yep, so Alpha Nova are definitely by far our highest content, so probably that 75, 80% range. Um, 
they are ones that there's noticeable difference not only in their appearance, but also like their diet is a little different than the lower contents. They need a little more kind of raw meat in their diet. Um, and then along with the kibble that we use, um, a little less kibble. We've just, we've noticed over the years that uh, a little more raw meat kind of eases them out a little bit when it comes to their digestive system. Well, wolves in the wild, they howl and they growl, but they don't bark. Alpha and Nova are the only two wolf dogs at the park that do not bark. So they yeah, so all their vocalization is kind of more consistent with wolves out of the wild. Um, so those are ones, so the story that was told to us, they initially came out of Pennsylvania. Their uh, previous owner was a big drug dealer over there. Um, got them for the sole purpose of breeding them to sell the pups that they would, they would produce. Uh, animal control said that they were in basically four by four kennels and that's what they were in more or less 24 seven. So not the, not the most ideal situation whatsoever. Animal control in Pennsylvania transferred them to an animal control shelter in Ohio. And that is through a long line of phone, uh, kind of phone chain, they were able to find us. Um, so me and my dad, we actually met them in Indianapolis a few years ago, um, to kind of pick them up and bring them here to the park. So again, two other ones that are extremely food aggressive. Uh, Nova, the female, has gotten a lot better with her initial manners. So when we got them to the park, they were, our vet thought, right around nine months. So unfortunately, from a training aspect, uh, a real key time for a wolf dog is between six months to uh, 12 months is kind of where they really learn some of those basic manners. So at nine months and with the living conditions they were in, Pretty much didn't have hardly any manners at all. You know, obviously didn't know any sort of cadence of sitting or waiting for you to set the food bowl down. So those initial first few months with them, uh, I forget how many t-shirts they started up. Not so much that they were being aggressive towards me, just that they didn't know any better. Excited. Excited. Um, but we kind of knew pretty much instantly when it came to feeding time, that excitement was a little more intense. So, uh, like right now with Alpha, we actually have to shift him um, kind of around in a certain way so we don't actually have the food with us when he is in with us just because it got, got a little too, little too intense, I guess, from their, their kind of play bites and then letting us know that they want that food immediately. So, all wolf dogs, just like with people, they all have their own unique kind of personalities and um, quirks and all that stuff. So, just kind of... It takes time to establish not only a relationship, a trustworthy relationship, but then also kind of takes time. You kind of have to go at their own pace when it comes to teaching things, new things. So like I said, Nova by far, like she'll sit, we can go in with her and drop her food down and she won't, won't, won't kind of uh, do what she did when she first came here. So she's kind of come the longest and Alpha's definitely better. He, he will sit to a certain extent, but those two especially are ones that we, uh, we kind of are always a little more mindful of just kind of rule of thumb. The higher you get up with the uh, wolf contents, at least in our experience, the the more intense, the more extreme kind of a play by it is. So the more pressure that uh, they kind of exert when they're just kind of playing around with you. So like Shadow has a little bit more of a play by than what uh, those eight that were born here. Um, and then Alpha Nova, a little more intense than even Shadow to a certain extent. So. Again, just kind of going back, using that common sense, uh, no fast movements, nothing that could um, purposely trigger that prey drive. 
um, is always the best thing to kind of keep in mind when it comes to those guys. And then finally, the, the last one that we would have rescued would have been Willow. She came out of West Virginia. So again, the backstory on her from what we were told, she was initially raised as a bait dog for a dog fighting ring. Um, kind of one of those things that kind of get the, the main event riled up, I guess. Um, owner that we got her from, rescued her from that situation, got her kind of nursed back to health, going the right direction, and then she had, started to have issues with her neighbors not liking a wolf dog next next to them. And it got to the point where the neighbors were actually trying to end the situation by throwing dog treats that had been poisoned uh, with certain stuff. And so just kind of uh, situation kind of deteriorated fairly rapidly. So again, through the contents the contacts that we had made with Alpha Nova, that's how they were able to reach to us. And so Willow would have, what year would that have been? 2018 is when she would have came and that would have made, so that would have made the 13 that we have here. And at the moment in terms of the kind of the enclosure setup that we have and uh, just kind of the, the different packs that we have, that's, that's the, the max that we can do at the moment. Um, we are in the process of kind of redoing our wolf dog areas to where Right now, just because of those real short timelines that we had with some of these, we kind of had to find a place that was the best and easiest to build something, and then that's where we built it. So it didn't really have a rhyme or reason. Um, so right now, kind of our wolf packs are kind of divided over a lot of the different um, areas down south of the park. So not the most efficient way to kind of do things. We have smaller wolf runs, and then we also have a larger areas that are actually on display to the public. Um, so it was a little easier, especially when the age were younger, we could transfer them a little more, but now that, um, kind of relationships have been established, uh, one trigger for kind of potential fighting is kind of, uh, a new environment. And because we have to actually, you know, potentially walk them, you know, 200, 300, 500 feet to that new environment, there is a lag time of just simply being able to open a door and letting all three of them go at the same time, explore the same area. If you have to do it in kind of sequences, you start getting that territorial thing. The first one you took in might kind of go after the last one that you bring in. So it just got to the point where it wasn't, it wasn't feasible to kind of rotate the packs from the smaller um, kind of runs that we have to the larger area. So one of the nice things about the new setup that we're gonna do is it's all kind of in the same location. We'll have a common kind of corridor that will attach all the smaller wolf runs that are ideal for doing those sort of intense training, building those relationships, but it'll be attached to the larger areas so we can do a, a little more efficient way of kind of transferring the packs to enjoy the large space. And then we can kind of get a little better of a rotation going throughout the year to where um, all the packs here that we have will be able to kind of enjoy that larger space and stretch your legs out a little bit more. But kind of the ultimate goal for the wolf dogs in terms of future plans, ideally for me, um, the safest bet is pairing them up, male and female. Uh, even with the threes, you know, like I said earlier, if you have a strong alpha, he can handle kind of keeping two females in line. Um, there's, we've had situations where, you know, for whatever reason that day or whatever, the, the male kind of, wasn't on the job all the way or something like that. So we've had some close calls with 
potential fights starting. And so the simplest way to kind of prevent that from happening is just kind of dividing them out to the point where it's just a male and female. They're completely bonded and we are able to kind of rotate around like that. So that is kind of, at least with me, that would be the ultimate goal of making sure that we are able to kind of safely and have wolf dogs here and not have to eliminate the possibilities of fighting as much as possible. Yeah. So as you can tell, Andy doesn't really care about the wolf dogs that much. <laughs> yeah, so he had said, I'm 100% the reason why we have 13 wolf dogs. Uh, I'm also the reason why we don't have more wolf dogs because unfortunately, I probably had to say no to close to 20 of them now. So it just gives you a little bit of an idea of how much of a demand it is to find permanent placement for wolf dogs. There's there's different sanctuaries all across the nation and consistently, for the most part, all of those sanctuaries are almost always at max capacity, uh, especially for like older wolf dogs. Um, we never got a situation where it, it was puppies that wanted to come in or anything like that, but for whatever reason, you know, puppies, they everyone loves puppies. So those are the things that are really easy to find placements for homes for. Uh, it's the older ones that might have kind of the personality issues that for the most part uh, don't have the best best chances of finding kind of the per permanent placement. But just like with any other animal here at the park, we look at it as if we bring a wolf dog in, it's here for the rest of its life. So we have to also take that consideration from a financial standpoint. I think with ours on average, it's right around $1,500 per wolf dog, give or take a year that's feeding. So I touched on it a little bit. Chicken is what we feed our wolf dogs um, combined with a high protein kibble. Uh, for enrichment type things, we throw in, there's a few that um, we kind of have to go back and forth from chicken to hamburger. So we do kind of mix it up a little bit and then any sort of enrichment thing, uh, you know, some of them absolutely love watermelon, um, so different sort of fruits and that that kind of thing just kind of change their diet up a little bit. But but all that costs money. So you times fifteen hundred times thirteen, how we have it now, it is a you know a substantial dollar amount, yearly dollar amount. So we always have to kind of take that in consideration, not only the space and the time that needs to have them, but also making sure that we can financially support them for the rest of their lives because it's. At minimum, it's a 12, 12 year commitment. And like I said, Shadow is going to be 14 years in October. Uh, wolf dogs, probably on the high end, 16, 18 is a very old wolf dog. So it's, uh, it's not just a short term commitment when we decide to bring on a wolf dog. Yep. So, with that, that kind of wraps up our episode for this week definitely stay tuned for next week and we would encourage you guys any questions like the questions we went over in the beginning kind of came from viewers like you so any questions that you have for us put those in the comments let us know and we'll try to answer those uh, each episode so thanks a lot Later.